If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like Wrestling with Freddie, with me, Freddie Prinz Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. You ever heard the phrase, the more things change, the more things stay the same? And while we love the excitement of new things, it's also nice to have the reliability of something constant. Hey, it's Wilmer Valderrama. And when it comes to insurance, State Farm is a good neighbor you can count on. Solo llama a tu agente. Another way State Farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the Michael Tudor Podcast Network family. Con la ayuda de State Farm, estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. This is the Custard TV podcast. Not done one of these in a while, but TV is somewhat still on, so we will continue to do it as long as TV allows us. Uh, Luke here, editor and runner of the website, thecustardtv.com. Matt with no sense of taste when he has liquids. Don't. I don't. Go on. (laughs) When did you, is this a new thing today? Only or? just like when I when I had my lunch, I only noticed it, and then when I've had a cup of tea, and I can only really taste the water, the hot water. Well, I mean, but, who have you? Are you going to need to do track and trace on you yeah. at some point? Well, I haven't been out since Thursday. Oh no, I went out on Friday briefly to top my electric key up at the local shop, but I haven't sort of really come into contact with anyone. You know, even. No. In Tesco's, you know, they're very good now. You can only go one way down a, an aisle yes. now. Yes. And um, Although but, some older folks appeared not mm-hmm. to be able to do that. No, yes, well, that you say older cool. folks, just any folks. And then I got told off by a member of staff because I genuinely hadn't realised. And I was like, I'm sure I went. I'm sure they're just changing this every week. You're one <laughs> of just... those people people hate. You've just admitted yeah. it on the podcast. No, but not, not by any mistake. Like, I genuinely thought I was going the right way. And I think mm. I'm sure they've changed that since last week. Won't stand up in court. No, but... <laughs> Someone stopped me like halfway down, and I and I was like, I don't think I even wanted to go down that. I thought I had to go down that one to get up the other one, but actually I didn't need to go so down. So you had a drink yesterday, and as far as you're aware, you could taste that. It's just yeah, today's yeah. drink. It's just today. It's weird. I just think it's been stuck indoors, and now it's June tomorrow. So we're currently in um, the end of May. Yeah. We're, we're still in lockdown. You're talking as if someone's going to find this in years to well, come. Well, you know, people go through it. Like, Michael Lee was going through the archives, wasn't he? Someone in 2023, when <laughs> when we were in full apocalypse. Just for us to know what, how it will run ended, yeah. because they can't Just find sort it. Just uh, finds a computer with our, our podcast downloaded onto it. God. It would have to be my computer. I don't know if anyone else keeps the downloads. Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, Definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. They've announced a new date for the BAFTAs. In July, I think, the ceremony, Rich Dioadi will be hosting. From behind closed doors. Behind um, closed What do you imagine will be nominated? It's, it's so weird to think about anything this is from 2019. Stephen Graham in The Virtues, Martin Clunes in that thing he was in at the start of Man the Manhunt. Manhunt, Martin Freeman in A Confession. Because they changed the rule, the, the things on it. So I don't know if, like, the actors in Chernobyl will count... In the, in the main categories, or that will be an international. I, I mean, years and years will probably figure in there. Yeah. Giri Cop- Hadji, which I went back to. Giri Hadji. I imagine that will do well. Line of Duty might be in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Coogan for Alan Partridge. But, every, I mean, the final series of Catastrophe. Oh, Mum might feature in there. Mum, series three of Mum. 
the first half of this year, the, the half with TV, has been really good. I think this has been a return to form this year. I think there's been a lot more stuff that we've liked, some stuff that you've liked more than I have, some stuff yeah. I've liked more than you liked, and some stuff we've agreed on. But I think last year we were certainly in the... I I don't think we did as many podcasts in the autumn last year. No. Because I think there was, there was less stuff on and less stuff we promoted and i obviously there's going to be less stuff on this autumn whether we sort of do something different because as i say we have discussed some things and i think we might have to look at doing some different things are you, but, up, to, are you up for some bird watching because i don't know how many bird watching podcasts there are and i thought <laughs> maybe we could diversify uh, but yeah i i'm interested it would be interesting to go back and see I, I suppose look through the tv weeks and maybe I suppose by next week we'll know what's in there. Yeah. Uh, but I think those are the, the, the big ones. I could see Stephen Graham winning because I don't think he's won a BAFTA before. No. So I think wow, it's possibly his year. It's impossible not to have won mm. a BAFTA. I, I could hope, see... And... I hope he wins it for the Virtues because yes. that was an incredible... Rather than... Line of Duty. Maybe he'll win too. They did it for Olivia Colman that one year. They do anything for Olivia. Um, uh, and I could see maybe Anne Reid winning, like supporting for years and years, perhaps. I like all that. I like, but I just think the the ceremony will probably be a bit of a damp script because mm. those shows haven't really worked. So they couldn't have even in July, end of July. You still feel they're still going to be doing it over Zoom. They've already announced that. I feel like it. Yeah, I feel I, like. You know, by they are planning at the moment. I think that they're, they're looking to for s- cinemas to reopen by the end of July. There's still big yes. films scheduled for the end of July, so I feel like it might There'll be, be less get... seats in the cinema. Yeah, I though, feel I like it, yeah, but I feel like it may be a case of their them being in a in a studio and there being people there, a limited amount of people maybe. Just the winners, so you'll know immediately if you've yeah. won. Or it might be certain people from a series who are nominated in the acting categories as well. Yeah. We will keep you updated. What, what we know about the BAFTAs, yeah. you will know. On to the reviews. And it is quite telling that, uh, that all these shows are on kind of streaming platforms. Yeah. Um, so we got Space Force, which is the uh, reunion between Greg Daniels and uh, Steve Carell on Netflix. We got Little Fires Everywhere, originally from Hulu that you can see over here on Amazon Prime. Exclusive, not through one of those weird watch it through a channel. It is something they have bought. Uh, Run, which I praised earlier on earlier on in the year from HBO and Sky Comedy has now come to the end and I wanted to just touch base on how we felt about its conclusion. And finally, McMillions, which is all on Now TV and the newly launched Sky Documentaries uh, that was originally shown in uh, February, I think, on HBO. So, American TV, ahoy this week. Are Sky Atlantic going to change their branding to, do you reckon they'll just be Sky Drama or something? I can see it. Because they're all going genre-specific. I don't like all this splintering off. I think things get lost. Mm-hmm. It works if you're looking specifically for a comedy or specifically for a documentary. Mm. But Sky Atlantic used to have all these varied things, and it was like the home of everything from HBO and Showtime. And now they're all. But it also had things like Hit and Run. Alan Partridge was on there. The weird Kathy Burke Nun thing. I quite like that walking and talking. Walking and talking. Uh, Where would you like to start on uh, these four shows? Um, I don't know. I think we should end with Run because it's the it's the final. Right. So yeah, let's start with Space Force. I think you should set it up. Uh, so this is a ten-part comedy series written by, uh, co-written by, and starring Steve Carell. He's reunited with uh, Greg Daniels, who co-created The American Office, made that into a thing, and it is basically taking Donald Trump's idea of an air force for space. And using that as the stepping the stone, boots on the moon by whenever, using that as a <laughs> stepping stone to uh, start a ten-part comedy. So here, Steve Carell stars as General Mark Ned. He's a sort of a proper um, naval man who is put in charge, much to his displeasure, 
to become the chief of Space Force. He works alongside Dr. Adrian Mallory. He's sort of a, a scientist who he has to report to. That's ben, uh, that's John Malkovich. It's sort mm-hmm. of a madcap comedy, really. About... And the late Fred Willard plays his dad. Yeah. Lisa yeah. Kudrow plays his wife, who yeah. we see initially, and then when we see her again, she's in prison, and we're not quite sure why. I found it quite impenetrable because... I don't feel like Space Force, like a lot of things Trump's done over the time he's been president, has had a lot of coverage over here. So I wasn't 100% sure even what it was going in. Mm. Uh, I sort of knew the idea that they wanted another arm of the United States military. But I think it relied on you knowing what Space Force was all about, which I didn't. This is one of those rare shows where... Because of the talent both in front of and behind the camera, you hope and assume it's going to be better than it is. But nothing about it grabbed me. In fact, I think of all the shows we watched this week, this was the slowest. Mm. It should have been the easiest to watch mm. because it was supposed to be a comedy. But it was it? long. It was 36 minutes. It I know, but long. that shouldn't feel long. I, I think we found it, as you say, established com- comic uh, talent in front and behind the camera but there's a lot of them doing these weird spacey things at the moment Anucci and McFarlane and now Carell and, and Greg Daniels and it's something that none of them have got right and I'm not quite sure why here the jokes are very very base I mean yeah. they've got this character the, the Russian character everyone distrusts who's dating his daughter you've got the wise-cracking social media guy who, who he locks face. You know, there's there's some very old-fashioned racial stereotypes in, in this, and and it, it does, despite the subject matter, it does feel very old-fashioned in its, in its mm. characterisation. Carell's character, General Ned, is very much the put-upon sitcom yeah. dad in a way and at the end of the day and I, I i'm paraphrasing from another review i saw it's just not funny enough it's no, just not that funny was at the all. thing corral doesn't have to try very hard to be likable i instantly like him really in anything he's in because he's just very affable very warm even as michael scott all those years ago even when he was being an utter buffoon and you were cringing you still liked him and it's the same here except you don't feel the same connection to any any of the world around him. It's not funny in the slightest. And maybe we are doing that thing where you just watch one episode of a comedy because we're always saying comedy needs time to breathe. But I just got to the end of it and I was like, I don't have time in my mind for another nine episodes of this. I, I think the, the best thing was the, the Fred Willard stuff and him being, you know, a little mm. bit senile and... Carell ignoring his parents into in favour of the, the space force, but that was a very minor subplot. Yeah, and also I think I think like you say at the end of the day, all the reviews have said the same. It's just not funny enough. This could have been sort of a naked gun type take off of these people in twenty minute chunks, and I would have found it perhaps more endearing. That that the the thirty six minutes felt like a real slog. That shouldn't be the case when you're watching a... a... Looking to give back this holiday season? Donate to the Army Historical Foundation. For 40 years, the Army Historical Foundation has ensured our nation never forgets the sacrifices of those who serve. As the Army's nonprofit partner, the Foundation constructed the National Museum of the United States Army. The Foundation's work also extends beyond the museum's walls, restoring artifacts, touring historic battlefields, and remembering all we owe to America's Army veterans. Donate today at Army history.org Greg Daniels, Steve Carell collaboration. That just reminded me of a uh, well, comedy and in inverted commas version of that Sean Penn one which was equally ah, God, the first yeah. really, perhaps space just does not work uh, in any well, Red Dwarf got it the best I think in, in the 90s and I, I, I feel maybe that's because they were in in space and they capitalized on that isolation and i think a lot of the jokes were around what do you do when you're in space and nobody else is there this is the nuts and bolts of planning it as well it's the technical stuff it's the really boring side of it isn't it yeah i just didn't i just did not like it and you know me i'm very open-minded but 
I just didn't. <laughs> You're right, Matt. Yeah. I just didn't. I just did not like. I think this those man. opening couple of scenes were promising when you had his motion to to general, and then that scene around the table with, oh, I like all these people. Oh, they're not in the rest of the episode. Yeah. But also, don't you find when things aren't good, you then start to go, oh, that's Lisa Kudrow. Oh, that's nowhere. You're not invested in who they actually are. No, couldn't name any of the characters if I didn't have the Wikipedia no. in front of me. No. So, try that. Space Force, all available now in its entirety on uh, Netflix. Uh, no news yet on uh, whether they've got a second season. They normally announce that pretty quickly on uh, Netflix, but um, the reviews have been very similar to ours across the board, I would say. Mm. Next up, I'd like to talk about a um, documentary on Sky Documentaries called McMillions. This is a six-parter. It aired on HBO earlier in the year, and it tells the story of a 2001 investigation by the FBI in Jacksonville, Florida, when they realise, when somebody tips them off to the fact that... Um, the McDonald's Monopoly game winners, who who can win a million dollars each, are all related. This sends uh, FBI FBI new recruit Doug Matthews, who should be in every documentary I ever watch from now on, into a frenzy trying to get together and work out how this could happen, how McDonald's could have been infiltrated, and he decides, along with other members of the FBI, to go undercover and start meeting the winners and catch them out when they find out that a mysterious figure named Uncle Jerry is at the top of all of this. And it's about the story of who he is and how he fits in. How he fits into the story. So, I have to put my cards on the table. You can't see them, there's no webcam. Or your uh, Monopoly play cards. Yeah, or Monopoly pieces. <laughs> on the table and say, I already love this show. My family and I watched all of it when it was on earlier in the year. It was a, it was a proper delight, and it's one of my shows of the year. I don't think I've laughed as, as consistently at a documentary as I have for at this for a long time. This was far funnier than Space Force, and Space Force should have been funnier. What did you make of it? Um, I've only watched the first episode at the moment. I'm definitely going to go back to it. I watched it yesterday afternoon, and I don't think... I, I might have been in the mood for it. I kept having... To, I, I think my concentration was waning a little bit, and that's nothing about the programme. It's more... It was more the mood I was in. Yeah. So um, I kept having to go back a little bit, so I missed... I liked the general tone of it. I think this, obviously, the first episode is, is an establishing episode, so yeah, and it's, you've obviously it's... got an, a different impression than I've got, but I was very intrigued by the end of it. From how you described it to me, I thought it was about how McDonald's had rigged the game. No. Rather than it was no. about a, a select group of people who were... All related. All related and had like an inside track. And it was, you know, I was gripped by the story. The guy up who wins the million, they set him up by pretending to be a documentary yeah, crew. So they get they get the McDonald's head of PR who does as her everyday job speak to the winners and meet them and they get her involved and they say we'd like to put together a fictional production company we'll call it Shamrock Productions because <laughs> you're just lucky and um, we'll go and speak to the winners and have them film their stories of how they came across the winning monopoly piece and then we'll have we'll have it all on camera and we can tear apart their stories and the first winner they go to they've got him on camera and he sort of walks them through how we found the piece in a people magazine but his story keeps wavering a little bit every time he tells it and then some guy runs <laughs> runs off with the big check some kid isn't it like yeah because they go to he says he was on the beach so they go to the beach with the check <laughs> <laughs> and then Matt, is it Matthews running after him? Yeah. And and at the end they yeah, introduce sorry. the character of Uncle Jerry, and that's how because the first. They're also doing a wiretap, so mm. that Mark guy, who's one the first people they meet and speak to, then gets on the phone and said they they bought it. They think I'm going to buy this boat called the the Rotten Scoundrel or something, and 
they bought it hook, line and sinker and they're all laughing and they're listening on the wiretap and Uncle Jerry's name keeps coming up. But I, I tell you what it is for me, I you know I'm a sucker for these documentaries, mm. but this one, it stands out a bit more because often the subject matter of documentaries like this that have been hits before are quite dark and you have to be, like you said earlier, in the right mood. And this one is like a heist film. It's told yeah. very tongue-in-cheek. So there's a bit where, because this Doug Matthews is just such a hot shot, he gets so bored in meetings, so he turns up to the one with McDonald's wearing a gold suit. Oh yeah, the, he's it's dressed up as a fry. He says, <laughs> "Yeah, I, I, as you say, it has got a, a sense of humour about it, yes. which I think you find as someone who's just watched the first episode. I think yeah. after you get like the information dump, which is a necessary evil yeah. in these." things i think as you say matthews is very an enthusiastic yeah. central figure who has just joined the fbi in jacksonville he's really he's really bored with all yeah. the is it like medical malpractice suits it's like yeah it's like white collar crime and yeah. fraud and all. Uh, but he he saw something written down that was about mcdonald's and he was like right i'm yes, gonna this is, <laughs> this is for me <laughs> Um, I'm def. I mean, you are very enthusiastic about it, yeah. and I know a lot of other critics have been as well. Yeah. I'm definitely gonna. I, it might be this week. I might do you like. Are not gonna All I will say, like I know we spoke about Tiger King and stuff. This is another one where you will. It doesn't ever lose mm. its sense of fun. I would say, but it's another one where you just will not believe yeah. where this ends up. Yeah, where it goes. It. I know Florida is a mad place, isn't it? <laughs> but I tell you what, these stories are so grand and massive and mm. unpredictable and twisty turny. It's amazing they've not been told before in a film mm. or in a TV. Show. I loved all the music. I thought the music was really cool, mm. sort of the heist sort of feel to mm. it. And also, I'm one of my documentary bugbears is often reenactments because I think yeah, they're I found them and sloppy. Yeah. A little but bit after a while, they're, they're not as clunky as you imagine, and they don't overuse them because as it goes on, they have more and more footage of the real people that were involved. Yeah. And I liked, I really liked the young girl from McDonald's who sort of uh, tells them what a director would look like because mm. Doug says he'll be a director because they don't do anything, he just has to look like he's come off the golf course. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and she just is really nervous because she's mm. a civilian like working it. into the FBI. It's it's just got a lovely warmth mm. to it. It's such an easy watch, and uh, it's one of my shows of the year. Make millions on Sky Documentaries and Now TV. All six episodes are there, and I think once you start, you um, it's not a McDonald's slogan, but you won't be able to stop. And I remember that Monopoly game launching and all the adverts, all the creepy. The creepy McDonald's and new adverts. That and I share. do like how they explained as well the promotion, the marketing of it. And I know obviously yes, this plays into the that was the reveal at the end. But yeah. the marketing of even the happy, the, it was the same person who came up with the, the same company who came up yeah. with the Happy Meal and they explained the design. So even it goes into some of the things about McDonald's and the mythos mm -hmm. and the way they promote operate. things and operate so and it, there's, the, it, there's like the pro a proper wiretap which i'd never really seen yeah. done properly outside of the wire, of the wire. Yeah. and he felt like a character on the wire that guy is mm. like i just joined and they put me yeah. on wiretaps yeah i liked it i like it a lot and actually i re-watched it so that i could remember where uh this one ended and yeah. what they said and i just enjoyed it just the same yeah i saw it earlier this year this just in for your entertainment. Get the latest TV news direct from thecustardtv.com. My God, you are pure television. Guaranteed. Uh, next up then, another US show. This is a drama that was on Hulu a couple of months ago. And I was wondering when or if it would get bought by uh, a UK distributor. Mm. And it turned up randomly with very little promotion. Um, so this is a brand new drama uh, based on the novel from... Uh, I don't know how to say her surname. Surname, yeah. Celeste, Celeste NG. Or, or Celeste Nye. And yeah. it is basically uh, a story, bizarrely, 
and quite off-puttingly set in 1997, it tells the intertwined fates of the Richardson family uh, and a mother and daughter who spend their lives uh, in living out of cars and things and then moving in. Mia and Pearl Warren. Yeah, moving in to an apartment owned by the Rich family, um, headed by Reese Witherspoon and um, Joshua, Joshua Jackson. Jackson. And as Matt says, Kerry Washington plays Mia. They, they've got she, four children, haven't they, as yeah. well, the Richardsons? So basically, this opening episode, I've seen four of these. Okay. The, the opening episode is about establishing the Richardsons. That's, again, Reese Witherspoon and um, Joshua Jackson. <laughs> it's just, I can't remember him. Every time he <laughs> just goes out, he's such a memorable performance. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I just um, Joshua, Joshua Jackson, Jackson. That's his new name. <laughs> they are. It sets up their dynamic and their family dynamic, and they're standing within this leafy suburban community where everything's pristine and nice. And uh, she happens to bump into Mia, played by Kerry Washington, this talented artist who works part time as a waitress. And well, kind she of doesn't. Feel... But I mean, I mean, the first interaction is when she sees her car. Outside the office and, and reports her to the police. To re- yeah, she rings the police to say there's a woman and a daughter sleeping in the car, and there's this air of mystery around who Pearl really is and uh, what her motivations are. And as me, is the me, way, sorry, yes. And so it's about who these people are, how they interact, and we know already because it's a drama. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Looking to give back this holiday season? Donate to the Army Historical Foundation. For 40 years, the Army Historical Foundation has ensured our nation never forgets the sacrifices of those who serve. As the Army's nonprofit partner, the Foundation constructed the National Museum of the United States Army. The Foundation's work also extends beyond the museum's walls, restoring artifacts, touring historic battlefields, and remembering all we owe to America's Army veterans. Donate today at armyhistory.org set in 97 but made in 2020 which means we have to see the end and then flash back to the beginning uh, so we know as the title suggests that the apartment that the two rent from them uh, burns down so they're they're is it uh, the apartment i thought it was the re- i thought it was their house no, no, it's their home so it's their home <laughs> this one i didn't re-watch because I, I knew it you, you, you watched Sorry, four no. episodes as well i mean i home. i i feel the the fir- you say, as you say the the luke special where you get the flash yeah. forward and the flashback um was very very clunky in that it set up messy. what the yes. what the little fires oh there was little fires everywhere in the yeah. house well oh, i get it now they they and they also it, yeah. set up that the main suspect is the youngest child of the Richardsons, Izzy, who is this outcast who is a violinist, I think, in the orchestra. Yeah. But yeah. he's very much going through a awkward phase. She's 14. She's, she's a little bit different. The she's the black sheep of the family. I mean, they've got four children. The oldest two are very, like, the popular kids the jock and the and the and the sort of the queen bee at high school yeah. they then got a, a a younger son called moody who is a slight outcast i would say is a little bit awkward forms yeah. a relationship early a friendship early on with pearl the daughter of of mia who i, I think obviously he's got a bit of a crush on her and then mm-hmm. she becomes enamored i think with the older children and enamored with this this richer world and i i think the ongoing i i i got the impression that izzy will form a bit more of a bond with mia she sees more of herself in her like the frustrated artist yeah there's also the idea that mia and pearl move around a lot Mm. so this is the first stable because they do she does initially feel like she's going to go again and there's this thing about them only painting one wall of the apartment because they never stay long enough to to paint all four walls and um she then 
takes Eleanor, the, the Reese Witherspoon character, up on her offer of a job to be the housekeeper, mainly so she can keep an eye on her daughter because she sees her being enamoured with this life that she hasn't seen before, this rich family all together. But it's also got these, you know, the trappings of suburbia, which we saw, I suppose, in Reese Witherspoon is playing a very similar character it's to the one she played the same person. in Big Little Lies. I will um, walk you through the history of this with me. Okay. Um, so this, I, as far as I was aware, normally, if I know that a show is gonna it has a UK home and I have access to it, I will wait because I know we're going to discuss it and at some point I don't want to watch it too far in advance. But when this dropped on Hulu, they dropped the first three. So I grabbed hold of them and then there was just no news on whether it was coming or not. So I, um, I did watch it. And I watched the following one as well, episode four. But my issue with it was, as sort of intriguing as that first episode is, what it becomes more and more, and I don't know if you'll know this term I'm going to use, it dissolves quite quickly in its later episodes, two, three, and four, into what I call a lifetime movie, like a soppy lifetime movie. It puts... I mean, it does have melodramatic elements yes. in this. It's a melodrama, isn't it, yes, is what you mean it by that? far more emphasis on the relationship of the kids and outside of Lexi Underwood who plays Pearl I don't think any of the other kids have really that much to do or are that I, interesting I liked it. Megan Stott's performance in this first episode does she not as, she as is he she just becomes this precocious annoying mm. I got the impression she'd be so the like... interesting one you see when you said you'd watch four I immediately thought Oh, you've um, you've Not watched four already since Friday, and no. you're going to watch watch the rest. But you watched these a while ago. A while ago, and I haven't felt compelled to. I think I'm halfway through four actually, mm. and I haven't felt compelled. I think there's seven or eight. I'm not sure. Eight. And I haven't felt compelled to go back. I also know from reviews I read that it sort of falls apart at the end. So I'm all right, okay. not going back. But I, I just, for me, it just felt too. I, so, I hate to use the phrase soapy because soapy is not always melodramatic. Yeah, it's just over the top yeah. melodramatic. Yeah. These people feel from a, feel from another era. It doesn't feel like nineteen ninety seven. It could be nineteen fifty seven in a lot of ways. And the period stuff was you you forget until you see them watching Ricky Lake or, or the Real World or, or on the massive mobile. Or t yeah, talking about uh, taking a video rental back to the store. Um, for me, all of it was very clunky. Is, is my this is, an, this is interesting in that you know you've watched more of these than I have, and yeah. I'm basing this on on the first episodes of these alone. Um, that I from the first episode, I, I felt like this is something that if I, on I've got a rainy day, I might go back to because it wasn't shame it's too June. Yeah, it wasn't too um, taxing. I, I felt it would be the first 20 minutes I felt quite hard. But after that, you know, it's an hour long. Mm. I got into it a little bit more. I, I got where it was going. I really liked the two, the, the Mia and Pearl relationship. I, I really mm. liked Carrie, Carrie Washington, I thought, gave a, a good performance in this first episode. I was less enamoured by the Richardsons and those actors yeah. apart from... As I say, Megan Stott, I really liked in this first episode. I'm a little bit disappointed, that, as you say, that when it goes on, it gets... Yeah. She she just leaves. And, and I don't know whether this is in the first one. I can't remember, but Pearl, Pearl works as a wait... No, Pearl. Mia works as a waitress. You know and she works as a waitress. Yes. And there's a... Later on, I think in two or three, there's a really weird subplot with the with the Chinese girl that works I with her. I read sort of the... awful at, lot of time. I and... read sort of the outline of what happens in yeah. the book. Because I, I, I felt to myself, I'm probably not going to be watching this, but let's see where it goes. And I yeah. think actually from reading, like I said about um, normal people, that it, it, that ending felt quite open-ended this did as well i can see people liking this i suppose again it didn't really have a hook for me no there's another it's another case of really talented in front of the camera and you just expect more i you liked know. i liked the character as i say there were characters that i liked i liked mia i liked pearl and i liked izzy so that was more than space, space force, force had going for it 
the intrigue, I suppose, is A, who are the Warren family? Because there's a scene towards the end where Elena hasn't checked the the references that Mia's given her and mm. she gets a call quite late at night to say, I've never heard of Mia Warren before. Mm. So that's the, that's the intrigue. Is it Izzy who set these fires or maybe it's Mia? But I, I just didn't feel it had enough like Big Little Lies had. It's nothing we haven't seen before. The discrepancy between the rich and the poor, the underbelly of suburbia, the rebellious daughter. I think we've seen this done better even recently. I suppose there's elements of sharp objects which had a stronger mm. feeling of the community. You felt that sweltering heat straight away, whereas I, I, I felt this was all quite bland, quite I sort of watched generic the... suburbia. There wasn't a lot that I hadn't seen before. It yeah. was it was and very I watched it the 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 four I've watched or the three and a half that I've watched. I sort of watched it, willing it to get better, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes I do do that. And, and I you, so you've given it a, a good chance. Yeah, I feel and like I, I normally yeah. would trust your opinion on on most things, and I think recently, with the exception of possibly quiz, if you haven't gelled with this, then I don't think I will. And I was on the fence anyway, so I think yeah. maybe. If but... you like moody, there's lots of moody in the next two episodes. <laughs> Also, they call him Moody, but she refuses to call Izzy Izzy because it sounds weird. And yet they call them. But they say Moody. Moody is a nickname. That's yeah. not his actual name, but they never reveal what his name is. I know everything. Yeah, that annoyed me more now. I think about <laughs> it than, uh, than most of the stuff in the show. Uh, little fires everywhere, all there for you to stream or not to stream. That's your dilemma. Yeah, but don't listen to us. What do we know? No, what do we know? Amazon Prime Video. It's all there now. Closing things off, a show that Matt and I were quite praising of earlier on. Uh, also, on the me, I'd like to say. Yes, yeah. Merritt Weaver and Donald Gleason together in Vicky Jones's half hour comedy drama thriller hybrid called Run. This couple who haven't seen each other since college have had a pact that if one of them texts the word Run and the other texts back the word Run, then they would meet up at New York's Grand Central Station and go on a train journey across the country to sort of reconnect and escape their lives. Neither one of them knows what the other has left behind. Neither one of them knows why the other one has texted Run. But if they agree, then that's the pact and they go on the journey. And I think... Mm. I've always liked Merritt Weaver. Mm. I just think she's amazing and I think she was amazing throughout. Donald Gleeson I have less of an opinion on, but I did think they had... A believable chemistry and I think the show would fall down if I think didn't have. where we'd left it initially was mm. I think you were te- more taken with the chemistry than I was yeah. you described it as a charming relationship mm. I, I don't think I bought into the chemistry as much as you did I struggled with Donald Gleason's character because I found him like a self-loathing character I, I yeah. think when it got to episode 3 they got to New York they introduced Archie Punjabi as his assistant. I, I think at that point they revealed that the reason he texted Ron was that he, it was almost an idea for a new book for him because he's a life coach. And this this would be what happened when they both... He it was a way of resurrecting his career, his career because, because he he'd embarrassed himself. Yeah, he's insulted a member of, of his audience. Yeah. and And I think when they introduced... A, a bit more stakes, an element that that would disrupt this relationship, and would so. And she's got a family, a, a husband and two children. That there was more peril, a few more stakes to it, and I think I enjoyed that more. I mean, do we want to talk about how it ended? Or yes, I suppose we've got if the you t- plan on seeing run. Um, so from now, switch off and yeah, give enough biscuits. All your miss is, is, is saying, follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. In fact, go and do that now and you won't miss anything. Um, so that that is the end of the podcast for you if you don't want to know how run ends. Archie Panjabi tries to steal the money that that uh, Donald Gleason's character Billy has. They get, they jump off the train to go after her. Then now, where is this? Is this the middle of like California somewhere? Because it's all so. 
I so, California, yeah, because I, I, it all felt like Alaska. Yeah, it felt very <laughs> wildernessy. Um, and Phoebe Waller-Bridge plays Laurel, who is a woman who gives initially is just a woman who gives them a lift after they have accidentally mm. killed uh, Archie Banjabi's character Fiona. Uh, she's impaled on a spike in a in the house that they feel is abandoned. Phoebe Waller-Bridge then gives them a lift back to the station, but then they have to go back because they have left her mobile phone. So it's all very contrived and in the midst. But I know that didn't work for you, but... Go well, on. That did work for me. Yeah. It was everything after that. Okay, that so work for from me. do you want to go from from there then? What happens next? So they go back to fetch the phone, and they see. So is it they see that weird bloke in the house, mm. or they see Phoebe Waller-Bridge turning up with her macaroni and cheese because she delivers it to the guy every week for some reason. Two coppers who feel like something out of Fargo, but not as cleverly written. Turn the just... female cop reminded me of the social worker in Hunt for the Wilder People. And Babe Cloud, she's called. Uh, so she turns up and investigates uh, who has led to Archie Punjabi's demise, how she's ended up there. She goes to speak to Phoebe Waller-Bridge's Laurel, and they end up on this weird sort of journey to go to California when they overhear a voicemail. It's just none of that felt like the same show i was watching it going how did we get to this point how is this the same show that i liked at the beginning with two people having believable mm. chats on a train we initially had preview copies up to five yeah. so i watched five in quite quick succession phoebe Waller-Bridge is only briefly in that scene where she's giving them a lift back to the station and then in these last two episodes she's a central figure she has a romance with this Babe clowns. The sixth episode is very much them chasing them around, them almost catching them, and then then them ending back up on the train. Which them they, f- which Babe Clown gets on no problem in yeah. exactly the right place. They feel like they will have got away with it because the train staff in their carriage yeah. the entire time, and so it it ends with Babe trying to track them down them getting off the train and the final scene is them sort of reunited uh, Merritt Weaver's reunited with their family and is torn slightly between her relationship with the family she left behind and the new one she's forged with Billy but she walks off into the distance with her family and that is it he says please say something that this meant something to you and she and she doesn't say anything and just leaves with her family. I think it played into the suspicions I had initially. I really never bought into that chemistry. You know, I love Merritt Weaver, and uh, yes. from Nurse Jackie, I, I watched that from the beginning. So I've known, you know, about 10 years now as an actress that I've been very fond of. I, I, I loved her last year in Unbelievable. And this, I think her awkwardness was very believable. Donald Gleeson, I I didn't like the character. I don't like these self-loathing, very wealthy characters who are going through a, what does it all mean, crisis. I I, I think the added layer that this was him trying to revive his career was interesting. And then the, oh, it meant more to me than that. Like the, the... what I've heard described as the she's all that moment when she learns it's all just a bet that, that yeah, <laughs> Ruby learns. I agree, you must have bought into it slightly because that must have been the only thing keeping you what because it I think, I was think, really good. Yeah, but... Mary, I, I think the Merritt the Merit Weaver character, as I say, when there was stakes to it, if they'd been longer episodes, I think I may have given up on it. I think it helped that they were around half an hour each. I think I it... like the episode lengths, but I think this is one of those rare things where you needed maybe three more episodes because mm. a lot of that was just tacked on. Yeah. I mean, I who think was it... Babe Cloud. Where yeah. did she come from? It's not something I'm going to particularly remember no, if I'm honest. I know what a shame. I was thinking that, and I think well. a lot of the things that I didn't like—the dialogue, the sexualized dialogue, the 
overly ponder- ponderingness of it. I know that's not a word. Um, I like it. We should reminded, it. reminded me of what I didn't like about Fleabag, and I, I haven't gone back to that second series, which I know a lot of people have praised, mm. but that's what put me off that, and a lot of the Phoebe Waller-Bridge stuff, the middle-class navel-gazingness of it is the stuff I really don't like. I mean, I you know, I loved Killing Eve. I yeah. think she's one like a Greta Gerwig as well, is someone who I think works Great. better beyond beyond the camera and i think if merrick weaver hadn't been there i would have given up and and actually archie panjabi i really liked her performance as well as as the antagonist of the piece the the female characters were a lot and i know Dom gleason was the only male character in this really the the the, those two female characters were a lot stronger but then as you say it went into fargo as you said it did go those last two episodes those characters wherever they were in rural California somewhere, were very much Fargo-esque characters. Mm. You've not really stuck with the three no. seasons. But even the even the movie, it, it's it's sort of bumbling, bumpkin characters with heart. But I like These, that. I don't like town. it when they come out of the blue and they mm. feel like they're in... Yeah. I can watch it within Fargo yeah. because that's yeah. Fargo land. Two different shows, as you say, sort of meshed this together. A, <laughs> this was what we call a cut and shut, where yeah. the first half doesn't meet mm. with the second half as soon as she died as soon as Andrew Punjabi died mm. I went this is this is probably going to go places I don't like because everything seems to need to have this mystery element now to keep people hooked and if you've got good actors and, and believable chemistry whether we agree on that or whether we don't then you don't need somebody to die and them to be racing from the law and I mean does this have any keeping up with the train thing does this have any steam in it for a second series, it didn't seem to be setting one up. Where could it? I think it's one where you could follow them separately. Donald Gleeson coming out of prison because you got the impression that he, he is going to be arrested for um, the death of of Fiona. Maybe it's it's more him coming to her after he's released from prison. But I think what what we gravitated towards initially was this train element of it it had elements of of before sunset before sunrise those films i know you haven't seen but that that where people meet on a train and then this heightened thriller aspect of it but it fell apart in those last anything that i did like about it as soon as they jumped off the train completely changed shame i i can't remember the last time that i felt so much promise in the first half of a show and then the second half just completely gets rid of all that very odd uh, run is available now on now tv and is there on sky comedy as part of that um i was going to say as well if we don't get a second series because of the weird tv landscape we're in we won't know if it's just been axed because mm. um it's been axed or whether it was only intended to be a limited series, although I think that it would have said that in the promotional stuff, or whether they can't do a second because of the logistics of it, but I would be very surprised if this comes back for more. And But I just hope this isn't the last time we see Merritt Weaver in a leading role, because although she was kind of in a leading role in Unbelievable, this felt like her show more than mm. And so yeah. I hope that uh, yeah. we see her again. As promised, we will now walk you through how you can get in touch with us. Email us if you want us to discuss your favourite show, or if you're struggling for things to watch now that we're in week 10 of Pandemic Land. Uh, CustardTVReviews at gmail.com uh, Follow us online at the Custard TV Pod. Uh, or at can... Custard TV Pod, there's no the... At Luke Custard TV for me, at Matt's TV Bites for Matt on Twitter. The website, which to be fair to me is looking very bland, but you can still visit it, thecustardtv.com, and subscribe and review us on as many platforms as you can. It just helps raise the profile of what um, Matt and, and really, what else are you going to do? Yeah. Although a lot of people are going back to work this week, so. Yeah. Any news about whether you will ever go back into an office environment? Well, I don't know. We had a um, an odd meeting this week where um, we, we used. I don't know if you ever used Microsoft Teams before, no, but I've heard it advertised a lot in mm, this scenario. Yeah. Yeah, and and we we were a lot of us are obviously working from home. We're all up on the video screen. There's a few in the office, but they were talking about how at the moment they've got 
sort of almost maximum capacity in the office and they are looking to put screens up maybe because they haven't got people sitting next to each other but they've still got people sitting opposite each other because it's rows of desks so it would be maybe putting screens up before things get back to normal they were having a risk assessment on Thursday night. I suppose that hasn't affected things that much because the office is still open. But I think it's going to be a, a case of, for a while, if you don't want to go back, you don't have to go back. People are sort of switched. Some people who started working at home have gone back into the office. Some people who are who started working in the office have got, are working from home. It depends, I suppose, on circumstances with childcare and things like that a lot of the time. And are you finding you're watching more or less... Because I'm finding, and I was worried actually about Space Force, I'm mm. finding I can't watch comedy. I just don't have an appetite for it. And part of me was wondering with Space Force, um, are these jokes just not landing because I'm just not in a comedy world? Okay, I mean, I watched all of Never Have I Ever. I watched all uh, the fourth season of Better Things. So I, I don't know if you, cl- cl- you know. I suppose that's on the cusp. I suppose Run was about as more comedic mm. than Better Things in a lot of sense. But never, never have I ever as a well, comedy drama. I suppose. Yeah. Um, mostly both of us have just been watching ER. I don't know what it. Well, I, I, we won't go into this. But what is it about ER that you'll find? Because a drama where they're in hospital every week and people are dying. Doesn't seem to be the best. I have no idea. I think it, the one setting is quite comforting in a way, in a weird way. It's quite nice that you're always going back to the same place. There's a routine to it and a pattern to it. They're also just really well written, and they're characters that you can you can warm to. It's it's quite soapy, mm. but again, I don't mean that in any form of derogatory term. It's I like story that, of the week. Yeah, that there's a story of the week, and if that one story doesn't grab you, they'll probably, in the case of ER, be maybe two, three, or even four, if it's really packed, that yeah. you'll really be interested in. And there's a through line. Uh, I just and and they're quite short. You know, they're a broadcast, so I can get through them quite quickly. And uh, and just to end quickly, something else that will be nominated for the Baftas will be Fleabag, which was last year as well. See, everything last year just feels like a completely Mm. different time of my life. Um, Okay, that is the podcast. We will be back soon. Uh, Keep an eye on Twitters to to find out when and Mm. what we'll be watching. Um, Thank you for listening. Bye. Ta-ta. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. If you're a last-minute gift shopper, then Instacart is your holiday rescue app this season. No more tracking packages, no more trips to the post office, and no more Christmas gifts arriving in February. Instead, you can just download Instacart to order gifts like beauty, tech, and gourmet goods from local stores and get them delivered in as fast as one hour. Plus, right now, you'll get free delivery on your first three orders. This offer is valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Must be 21 plus to purchase alcohol where available.